How cope with the death of a great man? How begin to fill the tremendous vacuum? God tells Joshua here, you still have me, my word, my spirit, and that's all you need. The wonderful sufficiency of God and his word for even life's greatest crises. Moses was the greatest leader of God's people ever known, perhaps the greatest leader in the entire Old Testament. He led people for the past 40 years out of bondage to e uh, in Egypt, through years of trial in the wilderness, to the very edge of the promised land. He formed a clan into a nation. He gave them law, tabernacle worship, wrote the first five books of the Bible, the foundation for everything to follow. He was the revered father of his country, much greater than George Washington. He was the hero of the national epic, and now he's dead. The entire weight of leadership fell upon Joshua at a time of critical uh, national opportunity and danger. In one sense, it was no surprise. Joshua had been carefully groomed by Moses for many years <clears throat> to succeed him. He had fought against the Amalekites while Moses interceded for the Israelites, uh, Israelite army on the hilltop. He had been one of the original 12 spies uh, to enter the land of Canaan. Only uh, he and Caleb brought back a good report. More recently, Moses had explicitly commissioned him to succeed him and to lead the people into the promised land. And he had even given him a taste of victory in his defeat of Sihon and Og kings of the Amorites on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Yet still, Moses' actual death must have come as a great shock and awesome challenge, almost as if a man like that can't die. How do you cope? How do you proceed? God gave Joshua a very comprehensive, yet very specific word at this critical time in his own life and the life of the nation a word which Joshua took to heart and which enabled him to successfully lead the people into the promised land. God gave Joshua a wonderful promise and assurance that God himself would be with him as he was with Moses, that he would never fail him nor forsake him, that he would give him the land, every place where you set your foot. Joshua had only to be strong and of good courage and follow the Lord. In verse 8, God focused his instructions to Joshua very clearly, and it's uh, this verse that I would like to consider very carefully with you this morning. I memorized it as a brand new Christian my freshman year in college, that was 1970, and it's perhaps meant more to me over the years than any other single verse in the Bible. So this sermon is a very personal one for me. God begins by urging Joshua to meditate on his word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Okay, this book of the law may have referred to Deuteronomy or the Pentateuch. For us, it certainly refers to the entire Bible. Shall not depart out of your mouth. That seems like an odd way to describe meditation. Yet the word translated meditate in the next phrase also means to moan, to muse, to mutter. The picture here seems to be one where Joshua's heart is so full of God's word that his mouth is involved in meditating on it. 
He's to be constantly talking to himself, as it were, mumbling, muttering, mulling over God's word. So this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, the negative side, now the positive, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditation on the word of God is the wellspring of the Christian life. Active meditation, not just daydreaming. Meditation unto obedience, unto action. This is not transcendental meditation, the meditation found in Hinduism or Buddhism in which you deliberately try to empty your mind of all intellectual content. Rather, we are to fill our mind and heart with the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is practical, down-to-earth meditation in which theory and practice are balanced and thought leads to action. A life of incessant activity like Martha's is not a biblical ideal, yet neither is a life made up only of contemplation. Mary, in choosing to sit quietly at Jesus' feet and learn of him, chose the best thing, the only really necessary thing. Yet Mary actively served her Lord as well. Quiet times at the feet of Jesus prepare us for active service under the banner of Jesus. Ministry must begin with and grow out of meditation on the word of God. This meditation must be day and night, just as we are to pray without ceasing. Uh, perhaps the most helpful illustration I know of getting the Bible into our lives is um, it's an old navigator illustration, and they were geniuses at uh, coming up with, uh, it's the hand illustration. Maybe you've heard it or not, but how do you get a, a, a firm grasp on the Bible, okay? You need all five fingers. Uh, this finger is listening to the word, listening, doing what you're doing right now, listening to someone explain it to you. It's uh, all that you can learn from the Bible from gifted people who uh, have much to teach you, the classics of theology and devotion from the past as well as good contemporary works. This finger is reading the Bible. I've made a promise of, uh, or a practice rather, of reading the Bible through every year for many decades and it's been a huge blessing. It's not hard. Uh, this is study the Bible. Um, if you study a chapter a week, uh, you'll be able to study through the entire Bible. That's a very doable pace. Uh, you can study through the entire Bible in 20 years. I began when I was 60. I'm 71, so I'm a little bit past halfway. I don't know if I'll make it or not, okay, to the book of all the way through, but uh, those of you particularly that are young, um, that's a very uh, doable goal and, and a tremendous blessing. And then this finger is memorize the word of God, okay? Um, you know, if you look at Christ uh, in the Gospels, he didn't have uh, a Bible or, a, or a, a Bible on his phone in his pocket, and yet he was able to quote from the scriptures uh, all over the Old, the Old Testament, uh, often under great pressure, very accurately. He, he knew the entire word of God. It was in his heart and mind. And, uh, and, and that's what, you know, God calls us to do, too. Uh, I have two boxes of hundreds of verses that uh, I have, uh, uh, you know, laid up in my heart over many years. You know, it, it, you old folks know that it, when you get older, it's much, much harder to get anything new in there, okay? The cement sets up, and it's, uh, uh, but, but that's a good argument for you younger folks to, to uh, 
uh, fill your heart and mind full of the word. You can keep it when you get older, but it's much harder to add to that uh, treasure trove. Um, the um, silver chair, some of you may know that uh, from the Na Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, this is um, what uh, uh, Aslan had to say, I believe it was to Jill, just before she was to descend from this high country uh, down into Narnia on a very important mission. Uh, but long before she had got anywhere near the edge, the voice behind her said, stand still, in a moment I will blow, but first remember, remember, remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you wake in the middle of the night and whatever strange things may happen to you, let nothing turn your mind from following the signs. And secondly, I give you a, a warning here on the mountain, I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so down in Narnia. Here on the mountain, the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take great care that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. Uh, sorry, gotta find my place. I'm an old man. Um, uh, okay, here we go. Um, God goes on to tell Joshua that this day and night meditation has a very specific purpose so that you may be careful to do according to everything written in it. Meditation on God's word is always unto application so that expresses purpose. Meditation without application is fruitless. We're deceiving ourselves. Application is impossible without meditation. Theory without practice is dead. Practice without theory is blind. We're to be both knowledgeable and zealous so that you might be careful to do. Okay, we're careful about a lot of things. We're careful about our houses. We're careful about our cars. We're careful about our health. You know, Jesus said, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. If you're careful about all these other things, but not careful about doing the word of God, uh, our heart, minds, and souls uh, are of all importance. Keep your heart with all diligence. Out of it are the issues of life. Uh, the most basic relationships, uh, our relationship with God, uh, our marriages, our families, all of these flow out of our hearts. How important is this? What's it worth? This is the one thing needful, the, the only thing that really matters. Uh, what's your attitude toward God's word? You remember the king that burnt it? Uh, do you tremble at God's word? Uh, do you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, quick to listen, quick to obey? Do you hang on God's every word? Do you live by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth? It says, careful to do application, uh, hearers and doers of the word. 
Uh, you remember, remember the two builders, the, the difference between the, the house that collapsed in the storms and the house that it was, they both heard, but the house built on the rock, it was the one who heard the word of God and did it consistently day in and day out over many years. Uh, Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you, do, if, if you do them. The blessing comes in the doing, not simply in the knowing. And you remember the cerebral, uh, parable of the, toy, of the soils. Uh, it was the one that held fast to the word in an honest and good heart that brought forth fruit with patience. It says, be careful to do according to everything, okay? Do you pick and choose in the Bible? Uh, is your reason greater than the word? Is tradition greater than the word? Uh, do you believe there are errors? It's only the word and all of the word. It's a balanced obedience. The weightier matters first, yet don't neglect the littler things. God's word is practical. It speaks clearly to all kinds of practical problems. Marriage, raising children, educating children, finances, church life, business. If you're struggling in any of these areas, do you know what the Bible says about that area? Are you applying its principles? I have tried to do this over many decades and it's been a huge blessing to me. Um, uh, have you read the whole Bible? How many times? Uh, in the battlefields of Germany during Second World War, if someone got a letter uh, from his wife, would he read half of it and throw it aside? Uh, he would read and reread it. He would treasure it in his heart, uh, like Mary uh, treasuring up the words of Christ and the angels, uh, or treasuring up the angel's word to her and later the words of, of, of Christ. Uh, all that he did and said, God's revelation of himself to us, his great holiness and love, all the mighty deeds he has done on our behalf, not just our favorite parts, our pet doctrines, we need it all. We need a balanced diet. Finally, God tells Joshua uh, the concrete and certain results of this meditation unto obedience. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Then is a necessary and sufficient condition. Prosperity and success flow from the application of God's word to all of life. Certainly prosperity and success are things we all desire. How do we attain them? by the application of God's word to all of life. What do these mean? It's not simply lots of money, a fancy house. You can have these and still be wretched, suicidal even. Uh, they can be outward and empty. Uh, biblical, biblical prosperity and success, a total prosperity that begins from the inside and works outward. A close relationship with God, righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit, a strong and happy marriage and family, glorifying and serving and enjoying God in all that you do. Uh, what the Bible means by the word shalom, genuine blessedness, happiness. Worldly prosperity is short-lived and deceptive. God's prosperity and success uh, flow from a life characterized by deep trust in Christ and careful obedience to his word. It's like the rising of, su of the sun to full strength of midday and abides unto all eternity and never passes away. Uh, do you have heartache, struggle, sorrow, suffering? God uses even these to bless. Even Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you'll have prosperity and good success. Joseph was such a man, careful to obey. God was with him, and he prospered in all that he did, enabling him finally to save the world of his day from famine. Joshua was such a man, careful to obey, and God led him into the promised land. Not one of God's promises failed. David said to Solomon at another changing of the guard, you will prosper if you obey God's word carefully. And we all know that Solomon failed ultimately. Hezekiah obeyed with all his heart, sought the Lord and in everything, and so prospered. Uh, Jesus gave his disciples uh, the word and, and the spirit, and the spirit uh, to guide them into all the truth and to remind them of everything that Christ said to them. Uh, Paul uh, and Peter uh, also, towards the end of their lives, Second uh, Peter and Second Timothy, uh, Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable uh, for teaching, for, for rebuke, and uh, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be uh, complete, uh, perfect for every good work. I, I garbled that a little bit, but that, that's, a, that's a, Paul was clearly uh, pointing Timothy to, uh, to the word as he was about to leave this earth. And uh, Peter as well. We have the word of the prophets made more certain. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. This way you will have prosperity and good success. Only Jesus has done this perfectly. He meditated day and night. He was careful to obey everything. Jesus, the greater Joshua, he fought single-handedly the ultimate battle with sin, death, and the devil and emerged completely victorious. He won for us uh, the, the ultimate promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. As we take this verse to heart, we know that all our sins, shortcomings, and failures are forgiven through the shed blood of Christ. We are clothed moment by moment and once for all in the perfect righteousness of Christ, and we meditate on God's word day and night, careful to obey all that is written in it by the grace and strength which Christ supplies. We can only do Joshua 1.8 in the context of Christ's doing Joshua 1.8. Isaiah said of Christ, when he makes himself an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, he shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. As we meditate on the word of Christ day and night, careful to obey everything written in it by the strength which he supplies, then we shall have a part in the prosperity and good success of Christ himself. Christ will look down from heaven on us, see the fruit of the travail of his soul in us and be well satisfied. Uh, let's uh, let's pray.